Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. God owns all, that means all, that we are. And all we have has been entrusted to us by him. What this means is that it makes us stewards of one another and his world. This is the way that God has designed you and his world to be with his stewardship in mind. In the parable, Jesus reminds us that the Father designed the world for his children to invest in it, as he, our Heavenly Father, has invested in us. It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property, each according to his ability. There is then a role for each and every one of you to play in God's creation. And it isn't all the same role for everyone. We are a unified church for sure, but each of us has different abilities that God has given us, different stations in life that our Lord has supplied us. Even the catechism points this out to us. In the catechism, we are asked to consider our own place in life. Are you a father, a mother, son or daughter, husband, wife, or worker? And that we are to consider all these things in relation to our Father in heaven. Now at Purdue, you don't all study the same thing. Even if many of you share in a particular major, you won't all have the same outcomes. Some of you will be straight A students. Some of you will be happy to graduate. I hope not. I hope that it will be better for you. Your God-given abilities will result in successes, but there will also be setbacks. I think you know this. Throughout life, you will wonder why some get by so easily when you have it so hard, while others will find what comes so easy never feels good enough. So this is where the parable steps in. We are encouraged by what God has invested in us, but he's also warned us also how we should not be wasteful stewards and what God has entrusted, uh, entrusted to us. So then it's not worth our time asking how many talents God has given you compared to other people, only that you don't take God's gifts for granted, no matter how many or how few talents you may have. Consider even one, even one talent, the most precious gift from God, and use it. That's what you were created for, to invest in others, to entrust to others the same properties God granted you to make other stewards like you. For the Christian, this stewardship is unlike how the world operates for its own self-interest. The Christian invests in the civil good of society, in nuclear families, and the worship of God. In Lutheran theology, we call this the three estates, the government, home, and the church. Within each estate, you use the ability or the abilities that God has granted to you, given to you. And most of the time, you go about your life not even realizing this. In fact, I would not be surprised if this was the first time you've ever heard of the theology of the three estates. But you've been living within them this whole time, your whole life. So when you hear this parable, it should not burden you 
but encourage you to keep at it and warn you against such idle faith that is often tempting us. It might be tempting to take your talent and in fear go and hide it in the ground. If there ever was a year where a bunker sounds so inviting, it would be now. But fear cannot become your master. That is why the parable draws the contrast between the faithful and the faithless servants. Of the servants who use their God-given talents, they received an even greater unearned praise and property. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. But the servant whose fear becomes his master, the judgment could not be worse from the one who has not even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The warning which Jesus gives is a hard word because fear is something that cripples us all. It takes God's best gifts and tucks them into the bed we've made with sin. In the parable, Jesus reminds us how our individual abilities are gifts from him, but that doesn't mean that we are always good stewards of the gifts that God has given us. Our fears often call into question what God has given us. Remember then that the wicked and slothful servant had everything he needed to invest in others, what God had first invested in him, but he did nothing with God's gift. This is why we need each other more now, in a time when the common consensus says less is required. You cannot face your fears alone. That's the way of the world. That's the way of the worthless servant, to go at it alone in fear and hide. You need your brothers and sisters. As the Christian church, we face our fears together in Christ. And Christ, from those fears, sets us free. If we leave each other alone, we hand over each other to idle fear. And it will rule over us as our master and a false god. But the true God, of course, was wise when he said at creation, it is not good for man to be alone. And so for him, God made a woman to be his wife and helpmate. And it is not good for the son of man to be alone without his bride, you, the church. And that is how we return to where we began. God owns all that we are, and all we have has been entrusted to us by him. St. Paul puts it this way, You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. And to the Romans, Paul writes, None of us lives, none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. And so Paul concludes, to this end, to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be the Lord both of the dead and the living. So we have no guarantees what will be the outcomes of our God-given abilities. God has seemingly given them indiscriminately, and yet has given each of you a place to play out 
your abilities in his creation, to be a part of it for the good of your neighbor and the encouragement of him and the encouragement of his faith. We do not say that here God is granting us abilities which convince him of our worth, but quite the opposite. Our worth is found in the one who invested his gifts in us. Whether your days upon God's earth are long or seemingly cut short, Jesus is still your Lord. You are to live as though that were actually true because it is true. It is as true as the investment of the Father in his Son, that in him was the ability to receive the wrath for our sin, yet from his death upon the cross, Jesus rose to life again, that he might also grant you life through his ability to save us poor sinners. You know what makes you afraid, but so does your Father in heaven. And he has given each of us here to love you and encourage you to be good stewards of his gifts together. If it were not so, he would not have sent Jesus for you, to die for you, to live for you, to bring you his forgiveness. And that forgiveness from Jesus overflows and abounds. And that forgiveness is what I want to end upon. I do not want you to fear this world or our Lord. This world with all its pleasures and yes, all its pain is still incomparable to the great withstanding love of Christ Jesus for you. The foolish servant tried to give back to his master the talent given to him. Faith is receiving God's gifts and trusting they are yours to keep and yours to use. No virus, no class, no enemy between your ears or between our borders and elsewhere can take away what God has given and entrusted to you to keep and to use. On the last day, when Jesus comes to settle accounts, he will see in you what he has invested in you and grown through you. He will see a baptized child of God whose stewardship in society, home, and in the church was assigned by him to you and accomplished through you by him. You might not see what the Father sees in you, but that's what makes our Father in heaven so gracious and his love so good. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen.